Welcome to Transcending Conversations, a hub for everyday listeners to further understand and help solve long-standing issues related to accessing quality education and improving digital literacy. This podcast is presented by Transcend International, a brand new 501c3 organization located in Salt Lake City, Utah, and focused on community-based philanthropy. While recently on a visit to Detroit, co-founder Steve Smith was given the opportunity to attend a local town hall discussion. During the meeting, he was made aware of the detrimental effects community members have been facing as a result of lacking access to stable and affordable internet connections. This experience inspired him to focus Transcend International's primary efforts on narrowing the national divide. Transcend International is currently crafting and fundraising for a multi-year research project seeking to understand the benefits of municipal broadband. While in the midst of creating long-term partnerships and dynamic change, Transcend International is hoping to inspire everyday listeners to get involved in saving our internet. I am so excited to introduce you to Steve and Transcend International's Managing Director, Sarah Sempt, in today's episode. Welcome, Sarah and Steve. Thanks so much for joining us on Transcending Conversations. We're so excited to kick off season one with both of you today. Yeah, it's super cool. Happy to be here. So, so excited for this. It's something that we've been we've been talking about. We've been excited to really launch and use this platform as a way to to spread all the information, all the things that Transcend International is doing and can't believe it's finally here. Yeah. Coming to fruition. Yeah, this has been <laughs> this has been months in the making. But for good. And it's just the beginning. And it's just, just the, the beginning. beginning. Yes. Exactly. Well, let's just dive right in. I'd love for you to tell listeners a little bit more about your roles within Transcend International and just a little bit more about yourselves in general. Sarah, Steve, you wanna which one of you wants to kick it off? I'll go. So Sarah Sempt and I am the current managing director of Transcend International. So we're a public 501c3 charity and we have been just diving in and focusing around our issue areas on access to quality education and financial inclusion, which is well aligned with the Stena Foundation, which we are all deeply entrenched in. And yeah, we've been excited to expand on that work through Transcend, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about that. But my role is just leading this up and driving us towards like our goal and our intended impact and community engagement. And Steve Smith, I am co-chair, actually, of Transcend International. And I, I sit in that role together with Jana, my wife, and uh, we're super excited about Trans International as a 501c3 public charity and the work that uh, we have the opportunity to expand with Transcend International that we are deeply focused on, as Sarah said, with the Stena Foundation, access to uh, high quality education, financial inclusion, and some of the key access points and even technologies that are required to really deliver on that promise. So Trans International, I think even in, the, even in the name is super important because what we're trying to do with the organization is exactly that, transcend things that, you know, have traditionally been hurdles or friction points to 
gaining great access. And international is about the fact that we don't intend this work to have borders associated with it. These are worldwide issues that are at the heart of key economic success in every every individual's lives, family lives, communities and countries, nations, the world overall. So, so we're really excited about both the name, the scope, and it's great to be part of the organization. Awesome. I want to dive more into the work that you guys are doing around digital divide and everything. But first, what would you say is the mission of Transcend International right now? So, I mean, really through Transcend and and as an extension and an affiliate with Stena Foundation is we're really aiming to elevate communities through empowering individuals, independence and self-reliance. I, I would say through what we're going to talk about here today in digital equity and inclusion, but broader in access to quality education, financial inclusion. We just see all of these as really key levers to giving people the tools that they need to help themselves and to elevate their communities. At the core of this, it's elevating that economic prosperity. And we can do this through the work that we do through data and scaling impactful solutions broadly. It's a big mission, one that's not easily accomplished overnight, right? Lots of work to be done. We don't expect to accomplish anything overnight when you're talking about massive systemic issues, right? Yeah. Steve, what was the catalyst behind the formation of Transcend International and and what maybe differentiates it from what most would define as traditional nonprofit work? Well, I think, you know, if you go back to the key issues that Sarah talked about, those are foundational issues and things that are, you know, they're big lifts. They're not things that can be done with any single organization or with any single person. And so they speak largely to the same focus for the Stena Stena Foundation. And Transcend International was this recognition that we really need to partner in a significant way to create success. And and that means that the first thing that we need to do is create a mechanism that will allow for public funds to be combined together with private private foundation funds in a way to really leverage and multiply uh, the impact that can take place. 501c3s have an ability as an organization also to access certain organizations and certain sources of funding that private foundations would not. And so it was just kind of that natural step in saying, if we're going to have this kind of a focus, if it truly is going to have that kind of a opportunity to be seriously impactful, we have to put the organizations together in the right way to allow for the right kinds of partnerships. And so that was really, you know, just part of the strategy and the the, the building out of the overall organization, the overall structure, and the teams are are now coming together associated with those with those individual mandates of the private foundation and the public charity and the work that will be done independently and the work that will be done in in you know jointly. I think it's huge to say we don't want to do this work on our own, nor nor can we, right? And acknowledging that there's so many other people doing work in these spaces and trying to leverage those partnerships is what's really going to be the propellant, I think, of a lot of issues forward. Working in this space, it's just crazy how many people are also working in it. So how do we bring that together in a meaningful way 
And how do we use our resources, our leverage, and also, you know, our time to dive in and fill in the gaps that we can then put that out there and try to bring things together in innovative ways. I think that's something that kind of differentiates Stena and Transcend too, is looking at philanthropy and and the nonprofit sector in a new way. So innovative financial models like public-private partnerships, and then using that as proof of concept, right? So we can go to the government agencies or we can go to the public-private sectors with that proof of like why you know we should be scaling these solutions or investing together and collaborating more because we can prove that this is going to move the needle. Absolutely. You guys both touched on the fact that there's a lot of issues that Transcend could focus on, right? There's a lot of these big systemic issues that have been brought to your attention. What was the reasoning behind maybe this initial focus on digital inclusion and kind of rolling out of the gates with a research study based on that topic? The reality is the world's very quickly moving to a digital footprint. We moved even more rapidly that direction as a result of the pandemic. And I think, you know, if you were to look at the pandemic to the extent that there's any kind of a silver lining in it, it is that I think that it's helped highlight some of the significant challenges that lie ahead in ensuring that we don't, by virtue of developing an incredibly important technology that core infrastructure is now delivered over, that we don't, in effect, by absolutely just releasing that technology into the world that requires you to have access to broadband technology 24-7, that we effectively begin redlining. This is something that from a consumer protection perspective, we talk about in, in financial circles all the time. Have we really started talking about that appropriately from a technology distribution perspective and how the intent here is to create great, great technology that delivers better and better services on a real-time basis to everyone, but to the extent that those now technologies become become the incarnation of what we used to do and what we used to see as an absolute requirement in day-to-day life, like drive to the bank, go to the post office, show up at City Hall or get to the hospital. And now that's delivered through digital means. And if I don't have access, then I basically have been redlined. And it's even so significant that if you shut it off, And you go from maybe you don't have the kind of bandwidth you need, but you end up in a place where you have no bandwidth. It's like flipping the switch off. It's as as I heard somebody say in Detroit in a public meeting, when the Internet went out and the companies that were supposed to be solving this problem for us didn't and didn't for 45 days, it was almost as if we were cast back into the 19th century. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a reality. It struck me at that time that we have begun moving to, now we're moving to very rapidly because the digitization, the pace of digitization and the moving of core core product services and solutioning online and over broadband connectivity is accelerating and So much so that you can't look at access to broadband anymore as a luxury. You have to look at it as, as as a utility. You have to look at it as though I live in a country that I pay taxes into. And by the way, 
that gives me access to roads. It gives me access to public utilities. It gives me access to public schools. It gives me access to all the benefits that come by living in a county and all the county services that are provided vis-a-vis the fact that I am a citizen living in a place with certain fundamental rights as a taxpaying citizen or as a resident in that domicile. So I'm not speaking about that as a U.S. fundamental right. I'm speaking of that as a human fundamental right. The Absolutely. same same efforts that are going into providing clean water, access to clean water and sanitary conditions, yeah. and, and frankly, electricity to every human in the world and a cell phone, for, perhaps for communication purposes. The same focus has to be applied, I think, to uh, ensuring that all humans have this access and that they can't be denied access vis-a-vis price, vis-a-vis living on the wrong side of the road or tracks, as it were. They can't fundamentally be redlined in any way as a result of that. And I think that it just gets back to the fact that these are core services now becoming much more core services. And the recognition of the fact that, you know, for the Steno Foundation and for Transcend International, and Sarah and I have talked about this a lot, you can go out and fundamentally work on solving the financial inclusion thing through, you know, technology and better solutions and digitization. And you can look at how do you provide high quality education to the masses. And you quickly come to the place where you realize that you shouldn't be building buildings. You should be taking that high quality education to where the person is. And when you get to that place, you realize that, well, we can only go so far if we also are not thinking about and helping to solve and deal with the digital divide. Yeah, we have to meet people where they are. And I mean, we've shown and we've proven and I can speak to it more as well from looking at it from like a research perspective, because historically we've had a couple large communications companies you know providing these services so in fact there's not been a lot of competition nor has been a lot of push to report or share data you know about communications and impact on communities and so you know as steve and i have dove into this one it it keeps coming up because no matter what solution you're working on at this point in education in financial inclusion all of our solutions and ideations are starting to be around we're talking about rural students. We've seen great impact on colleges and counselors delivering virtual, you know, webinars or trainings. There's so many resources like and opportunities that are opened up via broadband <laughs> access and through devices. And of course, we saw people having to make, you know, decisions between am I going to work or is my kid going to go to school as everything moved online like that in COVID. So, you know, that's something I think we really want to focus on through Transcend is look at where the gaps in like the data and information is that we need to look at the impact on these communities, on the redlining that Steve's bringing up here. And also then how can we use that to better facilitate the spend of infrastructure money that is coming down the pipeline in the next couple of years? I mean, the federal government, local governments, you go to any state, they're all putting together, you know, digital equity coalitions and they're looking at state broadband initiatives. We've got 65 45 to $65 billion coming down in infrastructure with a bunch of that earmarked for broadband internet access. So how can we get in front of that 
and put the playbook together and put the data, fill in those gaps so that we can best equip communities and individuals to go out and advocate for themselves and to take control of that infrastructure. Because as Steve said, I mean, that's just a, it should be a utility like your water, your power, anything else, because the world is only going more online. We are only moving into the metaverse and you're truly cutting off entire populations by not providing equal access. Absolutely. As we've been preparing for this podcast season and for some of our other efforts surrounding Transcend International, I feel like every time I'm talking to somebody that's working in this space, I'm hearing about a different way that people are being impacted by not having access to internet. And some of them make a lot of sense. Education, you know, entertainment, all of those kinds of things. But yesterday I was speaking to a gentleman outside of Boston, and there's a lot of people within his communities that have cell phones, but don't have cellular service and are not able to contact emergency services when they need to. And so within that community, they're seeing people in emergent situations going door to door, trying to find somebody that has internet access so that they can get connected with life-saving resources. And that's just not something that we think about right initially when we're looking at this issue and just how widespread it is. It's an interesting exercise to sit and think about that, right? Because I was thinking through that, like our immediate thing every day, right? We, we're on our email, we're work, we're phone, maybe it's your streaming services, your text messages. But when you really start to think beyond that, it's like, I just put in a prescription refill and yeah. I just paid a bill online and I just, it's, it's so many things. Like I just renewed my car registration. Like it's, you know, you've got your, we just went through voting, you know, in an election Hiring. cycle. Hire, that's right. I'm like, think about how you find a job or apply for a job or apply to college or just like everything is moving towards that. And, and also to our point, a lot of those new solutions that we're ideating on for communities is technology but you know oh we'll make an app or we'll deliver it like this and it's it, it, even if you have the broadband then to your point or vice versa you have a device but do you have access affordable access or do you have access but do you have you know a device and do you have digital literacy training and are there places that do that that you can go and then the fourth piece of it that i think we're trying to also holistically think about is also digital wellness especially in these communities now we plug you in to the internet, we have to be, you know, good stewards as well of people's mental wellness and digital wellness. You guys both touched on how broad and how big these issues are. Where are you starting? Like, what's that kind of first step that Transcend is taking or hoping to play in providing those sustainable solutions? As a lot of these projects start, it's it's kind of two pieces. It's quantitative and qualitative, right? As most good research projects are. So really we've been doing landscape research, right? We gotta we need to understand this solution. We're not going to fully understand it and have all of the answers, which is why we've got to do that landscape study and start kind of coalition building. We need to find out the players, like the issues here, you know, we're going just next week into communities to talk to community members and to talk to government officials and cities about the impact and the work that they're doing and what they're really seeing. 
so that we can then go and and the next step is to find the best partners and for us to put our resources behind going out and doing the research. I mean, we've got to go out and gather the data and do the research and put all the pieces together and create a cohesive ecosystem here, right? To get that proof of concept, we have to have proof. That's how my thought process works is I've got to go out and get fully immersed in this issue area and really find the movers and shakers, the drivers, talk to the community to understand the true solutions beyond the data, right? Because there's going to be a lot of cultural inference here, a lot of things that we're going to have to consider and factors. And again, back to the point, like we can't do this alone. So then building that coalition of partners and then bringing in our resources and helping to pool resources to start this project, to start a study. You know, that's where my head's at. <laughs> it, it takes a while, but I think through Transcend and Stena, we take a different approach to philanthropy in the perspective that we don't believe in. Steve will say this in like Band-Aid solutions or that like, oh, we'll write a check and this will be solved. We, we truly understand that we're making investments and projects that are we expect to take a long time to solve because they are massive, complex issues. And it's going to take some time to iterate 98. But that, that's where we're going to start. We're going to start to quantify impact on communities and to engage, you know, with the communities and coalition build. Steve, can we hop back for just a second? You mentioned going to Detroit and participating in a meeting there with community members. What were some of the things that they discussed in that meeting? How are they feeling about, I mean, they're being personally affected more than I can really wrap my head around. I'd love to hear more. I, I think the first thing to just comment on is that Detroit, like a number of cities around the country, are taking a hard look at this because they have a number of people living within the city being severely impacted by the inequities associated with access, you know, full access to the digital spectrum of services and solutions. You know, they're getting a lot of input from the community. And this was one of those community meetings. And, you know, what was spoken about is specifically the passionate kind of description came from a gentleman who who lives in a community where they suffered a 45-day outage, if I remember correctly, 45-day outage in the heart of the pandemic. And just a street over, you know, had full service. Wow. Uh, different community, different socioeconomic status, different decisions being made. And the fact that it took finally a call to the mayor's office, which escalated into a call to one of the senior executives for one of the well-known companies that provides these services. And finally, some priority was put in place. But he described the impact of his family. He and his wife, both uh, working professionals, both forced to be working at home, both needing full access to, you know, broadband. And those of us, I, you know, most of us, uh, you know, have been through the same thing. We know how much how much bandwidth we used and how many times we said, turn off your video because uh, <laughs> I don't have enough bandwidth. Well, they have three children. All three of them were in school, all three of them in online school, and the internet suddenly goes out. Okay, well, we have cell phone, we have a hotspot, but we literally have so much bandwidth requirement in a home of five it was really extraordinary and obviously very passionately delivered. But I think kudos to Detroit, city of Detroit and, and others 
you know, around the country who have the courage to, I think, stand toe to toe with the providers in this industry and to say, we've given you a full opportunity to provide full access. You've not been great stewards in many ways. We need to get fully engaged in this process because we see this now as an absolute utility. We see it as an absolute fundamental right associated with, you know, if you live in this place, you pay taxes in this place, you should have full access to all of these services. And you can't, again, be redlined vis-a-vis a price point or vis-a-vis the place where you happen to live and being cast back into literally the 19th century and not knowing what to do and how to go about solving fundamental needs. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's so impactful to hear those stories when we're looking at these big issues. It's It can be almost discouraging in how broad and massive the scope of these problems are. And then you hear stories like that and begin to feel a little bit more encouraging that every little step forward is going to be making an impact within these communities. So thanks for sharing I mean, that. You, you think about it, it's, it's even as fundamental as I used to get the newspaper and in the newspaper was the help wanted section. And if yeah. I wanted to go and apply for a job, I'd get the newspaper, I'd scan through the help wanted section. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm old enough and I remember actually looking through the newspaper Scanning through <laughs> job opportunities, circling them and making phone calls, getting on the phone and making phone calls and then going to a location and actually filling out an application. You can't even go. You can't even fill out an application for oh, no. probably 95 percent of opportunities out there without going online to fill out oh, the application. So I don't even get it. How do you even get a job, right? I mean, I just, it's as fundamental as that. Yep. Set up your pay, all the things. Yeah. People who are able to overcome our, all the barriers to education, pursue higher education, and are ready to enter the workforce, and then are still met with that barrier of, how do I even get a job now? It's just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we wrap up here, for the rest of the season, we're going to be talking with community members, industry leaders, people that are making decisions in these cities and communities that are really being hardest affected by these issues. And our hope is to ask everybody, what can listeners do today or within the coming weeks to help us transcend the conversation and make real impactful change. This podcast is meant to be a hub to inspire people to take a step of action and to come alongside one another to start working towards these issues. I'd love to hear from each of you. What can listeners do right now to start making an impact in this area? I have several things that I think I'm kind of thinking through this, but I mean, one I would think is the easiest thing just to kind of get your head around it is to do that exercise of like, think about it. Think about all the things you need to get done today. And now your like internet and phone are non-existent. Think about that and think through like that total impact. You know, I think it's always important for us to like understand, you know, the brevity of the situation. But then the other things I'd say is one, 
please connect with us if you're working in this space. Um, we talk about coalition building and great partners who's working here. I, I would love, I want to know it all. You know, I want to I want to see what people are doing and what's working. And then on the flip side, I'd say, you know, share, be vocal, like share the impact and share if if you are like directly impacted in the way Steve was sharing the story of the family of five in Detroit. Those stories are truly powerful. And I think we push a lot on that and transcend and Stena, you know, impact storytelling. That's, you know, something people can't help but listen to and be vocal in your communities. We've we've also seen it in Detroit and other communities when the community is vocal and calls their elected officials and puts it in the newspaper, even if that newspaper is digital, you know, but gets out there and like makes themselves heard. It's a lot harder for private companies, for example, or others to kind of squash down that momentum. So be an advocate for yourself, get involved, share your stories, I think is something that that people can do. Awesome. Thank you both so much for sharing those. And I think this has been so informational. I think so much is just taking that first step to try to wrap your head around what this problem is how it came to be and kind of what needs to be done so that we can start pushing forward impact in all sorts of communities, even our own. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you, Langsha. We appreciate the opportunity to talk about these important things. Yes. Appreciate the platform and I'm excited for the season. Yes. We want to thank Steve Smith and Sarah Sempt for joining us on our very first episode of Transcending Conversations. To learn more about Transcend International and the work they are focused on, please visit transcendinternational.org. Thank you so much to all of you who made this episode possible. We are so excited for what the rest of the season holds and hope that you'll tune in next week as we talk to a leading industry expert about the troubles with privatized internet and the potential solutions surrounding community-owned broadband. See you then.